Hello, first-time listeners, and welcome back, returners, to the Sports Deli, where great conversations and insightful guests are always tops on the menu. Now grab your favorite bagel and beverage, and let's do this together in the Sports Deli. What's up, Gannon? Hey, how you doing, man? Good, good. Appreciate you uh, jumping on. know you're uh, doing so many different things right now. It's uh, different times for sure. Yeah, man, I pr- appreciate your persistence, man, and being patient with me. But um, Oh, man. You know, you seem like you love the game and, and uh, you know, have a great message. So I'm honored to be a part of your podcast tonight. We appreciate it. You know, I just want to make sure that people are, are uh, educated and inspired. Um, anytime I do these, it's about impacting lives, learning from you, learning from different people that I'm on with. So just growth in a positive way. So we can talk about anything, man. So we're joined by Gannon Baker, professional basketball skills trainer, motivational speaker, and holistic leader. And that's what's most attractive to me. And, uh, you know, as I've shared with you, I'm a basketball skills trainer myself. John and I played college basketball together. And we've been around a lot of coaches over the years. John's in higher, higher ed. John and I are really excited that you're here today. You can find Gannon at GannonBakerBasketball.com. That's G-A-N-O-N for Gannon. And then Baker, B-A-K-E-R. Gannon Baker Basketball. Dot com. You can find him on Instagram, Gannon underscore Baker underscore, or on Twitter at Gannon Baker. You know, the holistic thing right now during the pandemic is interesting because uh, I heard you talking in one of the other podcasts about how uh, coaches just need to do more than just coach. You know, they have to be more holistic in their approach. And you know, uh, personally, I, I did that as a coach for 23 years at the college level, and I do that now. Uh, talk a little bit about how you've had to sort of pivot or be more agile, you know, during this pandemic uh, because of uh, so many different things, which I want to talk about from depression, you know, um, to the actual basketball component of it uh, and, and how that maybe has changed since, you know, pre-pandemic. Yeah, so I mean, with me, um, it all started to change because of travel. Um, six, you know, I've been on the road for the last fifteen years, about six months out the year, and you know, give or take two weeks here, three weeks there, home a month. And now, you know, uh, since the pandemic, a lot of my training has been virtual. So it's it's digging, you know, which is great, you know, people can't see you live so they they hire you virtually and it's you know the physical thing obviously we, we, we do some backyard stuff but it's more of getting into these players getting into these coaches routine and you know a great routine equals great results I spent time with Ray Allen and he he, he would coin that phrase he would say that phrase a lot if, if you want to uh, find out how the great ones became great look at how they manage their time you know, they attack time, time doesn't attack them. So it's, it's, it's really digging into, uh, you know, players and coaches mentality and, and routine and, and when they wake up and, and, and from that, you know, we get into their thoughts and their goals and uh, their behaviors as far as adversity and, and really diving into, um, you know, how they compartmentalize each and every day and, and, uh, you know, put action steps behind their goals. And so that's something that, you know, you just don't have a lot of time to do when, when you're in a live gym and a physical workout. Uh, with me, I don't get a, get a chance to spend a lot of time with my players behind the scenes like a team coach would. And the pandemic has actually uh, forced me and allowed me to do that. Um, the other thing that I've pivoted is instead of people, uh, instead of me going to people, there've been a lot of people coming to me. We've had like maybe one coach at my house every other week, one player every week. I got a kid, if you can believe it, taking a gap year from high school to college, like a post-grad year. And he didn't really uh, want to go through the frag- fragmentation of the season that, that a lot of post-grads are having now. So he's staying with me. 
So, you know, yeah. So with him, you know, we split our day up into devotionals, solitude time, meditation, film, uh, self-evaluation, self-awareness. You know, I give him a a biweekly report card on his body language, his mental thoughts, his time management. So, you know, with him living with me, he can't escape me. So I'm, I'm constantly evaluating. I've probably been doing it too much. So I gave him the last three days off, but <laughs> you know, that we're living with a kid. And, and, and obviously when I, when I trained a few pros, I would live in their hometown, see him every day, we'd have dinner. So the more time you spend with, with a kid or a coach, the more time you can dive into the mental uh, skill set they need to have, the emotional skill set they need to have. And, the, you know, it's all wrapped up in the spiritual mindset. So COVID has, has really forced us to do that. And it's been a blessing. So your dad had a conversation with you, is my understanding, and basically he uh, educated you on some things. And, you know, it seems to me as I prep for the show a little bit that that's sort of how you pay it forward with some of the clients that you work with, uh, your own kids, is that, um, you know, your perspective isn't necessarily what's real, the reality of the situation. Talk a little bit about what your dad you know, spoke to you about when you thought you were all that in a bag of chips and he brought you back to reality a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I don't know the conversation you're specifically talking about. My, my dad has had many conversations <laughs> with me. Um, you know, I remember my mom uh, in fourth grade uh, told me um, I got sent home w- with a letter saying that I might be ADHD. And um, I never forgot. You know, never forget it. Like it was yesterday, we we're sitting at the dinner table, and he, she said, "You know what? These teachers say you're you're ADD, but sometimes you're just STUPID. You just need to listen. You need to take notes. You need to lock in. You need to improve your diet. You need to, you know, get better sleep." And so now, as I'm thinking back to that, you know, I'm looking at my fourth grade self, and I I, I should have said to my mom, "Well, you're my parents. Parent me. <laughs> you know, coach me up. Put boundaries." So. You know, uh, I've had a, I had a little little bit of success with, uh, you know, the white side of the neighborhood, you know, the rec leagues, the YMCA's, the church leagues, not a lot of diversity. Um, I'm like 11, maybe 12. And, uh, and my dad puts me into a, a hood league, a league where, you know, outside of our team, there's no, there's no other white players. And I just got my butt kicked. And it was, it wasn't like, one game it was like every single game I wasn't the best player I wasn't you know um dominating and so finally in the car uh, I think it was the end of the season I was like pop man I really want to play division one I want to be great in high school I want to play in the NBA you know what do I need to do and he's like you really want me to tell you the truth and I was like yeah pop man tell me the truth man I can't get around these quick kids I'm you know they're punking me. They're they're making fun of me, man. How do I fight back? He's like, you need to stop eating Twinkies and Mountain Dews, and you need to get off your butt and be like Rocky and wake up and grind every day. And, and so I was crying, and you know he said you're he said you're soft, you're you're sensitive, you're selfish, you're you're pudgy, you know, and and you're lazy, and you want to be great. There's a price you got to pay. So uh, he and I decided that I'd retire from swimming, baseball, soccer. Uh, and my, my friends said, man, you're, you're quitting the white sports and playing the brother sports. And they turned it into a, a white black thing. And, and I just turned it into a success thing. Cause to me, success is colorblind and, and gender free, so to speak. The world is sees color, right? The world treats people differently, but you know, success, man, if you pay the price and you, you know, you, you put in, uh, whatever you, you need, you'll, that's what you'll get out of it. You know, whatever you put into something with that measure, it will be given back to you. That's spiritual. So that's what I did, man. I, I never lost that eye of the tiger. I turned 13 and I promised to God I've had the uh, Mamba mentality ever since. Now, I, I was never the MVP of the league or, you know, anything like that, but I overcame a lot of odds, you know, being six foot, getting 31 D1 offers, playing over in Iceland, having to try out with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, coaching in college, starting a business after 20 years, a recession in 2008, pandemic now. I mean, we're, we're still moving forward because of the grit and the resilience and just the pain-free attitude I have. I feel pain, but I, don't, I, don't, I do not let it affect my position or passion. 
And, you know, I had to do some things when I was 13 to, 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 to learn that and, and deal with that. And that was probably one of the most pivotal moments in my life that I actually listened to my dad. I, I, I took what he said to heart and it didn't abuse or didn't affect our relationship at all. You're listening to an interview with motivational speaker and professional skills trainer, Gannon Baker. You can find him on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. He has over 100,000 followers between all of his social media. He's worked with Maya Moore from the WNBA, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James, among others. We're so honored that he's here with us today to talk about his views on professional basketball skills training and much, much more in the sports deli. And now back to the interview with Gannon Baker. So that's that's cool. Uh, and a lot of people don't have that that fatherly influence, so I'm sure that you're doing that now for a lot of kids that, that don't have that, you know, in terms of your holistic approach. And so you grew up in Hampton, Virginia. You and uh, Grant Hill, you beat him in the state championship uh, your junior year, and then you go on to Duquesne, doesn't work out and then you transfer and talk about what you learned from that experience um, and how you feel about the transfer portal now when kids are uh, so easily able to just, you know, uh, get up and go and, and move on to another program. And, you know, what was your experience with that? You know, that's a great question. Um, I signed with Duquesne because I had a chance to start right away uh, in the Atlantic 10, which back then it was kind of like the Big East. I mean, we had Rutgers, mm -hmm. West Virginia, Temple, UMass, right? Rhode Island, George Washington, St. Joe's, um, to name a few, Penn State. And it was the highest level of scholarship that I got. Wichita State offered, but, you know, Duquesne was only eight, eight hours from my house. My parents could see me play a little bit in, uh, in D.C. And so I chose Duquesne because um, – it was an opportunity for me to test myself at the highest level. I ended up breaking my foot my freshman year, redshirted, which was a blessing. I ended up starting uh, about 25 games my, my freshman, uh, redshirt freshman year, made the all-freshman team. Uh, so I had a great experience playing, but, you know, our head coach, again, I look back on it, uh, awful leadership. He ended up getting fired, and um, about seven of us ended up transferring. Uh, four of us the year that I did, and then the year that I left, the following year, three of them transferred, and then our coach ended up getting fired. So it was disappointing because back then, you know, I redshirted a year, and then I played and I transferred. So I actually lost a year of eligibility. But to me, it was more quality than quantity. I, I did not want to be involved in a program that uh, was, was – you know, detrimental to my love for the game. You know, leadership was just not what I was looking for. Um, you know, a lot of the lessons that I teach now, uh, I, I, I learned what not to do as a leader uh, at Duquesne. Now, again, uh, great basketball minds. I enjoyed playing. They, they gave me the rock. They were patient with me. Learned a lot about the game. But as you, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, it was, they were just, you know, most of those guys were just a coach. And uh, there were, but there were two, two or three assistants that were really holistic coaches, but they didn't have that power. And our, I mean, you know, we, we were getting in fights with fraternities. We, we were uh, smoking weed on the bus. Uh, we won it. We, we, we beat Xavier with Pete Gillen. They were top 20 in the country. Yeah. And, you know, coach bought us three cases of brew and some cherry wine, if you, if you will, on our way back, uh, it was Christmas break. I mean, you know, just, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I was a virgin to all that. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't mess with women. Uh, I was all about ball. And uh, so that was a shock to me. If I had to do it again, knowing what I know now, I would have probably transferred again. Um, so, you know, a lot of transfers, kids transfer because they're soft and, and, and they're looking for excuses. And again, that wasn't my deal. Um, I wanted to play in a quality environment. And I want to have a chance to, to win. And I thought we could have done that if we'd have done it the right way. We had the seventh rated recruiting class. Look us up, 1990, Duquesne Dukes. <laughs> we, 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 we were the seventh rated recruiting class in the country. That's amazing. 
Um, so, you know, we had, we had a squad yeah, from Whitehead, Willie Latson, Derek Austin ended up playing in the NBA, James Hargrove mm -hmm. behind Eddie Jones was, was the second leading scorer. Oh, yeah. He made me, I mean, he made me look good. James Hargrove averaged 27 a game. So we, we were tough. Uh, Mark Gilbert, his brother, Sean played for the Steelers. Like, we had a squad, but we just had no leadership, no direction because they didn't coach our leader did not coach us as people. You know, it was all, it was more of a, they treated us like an NBA team. And we weren't mature enough yet to handle that. There were no boundaries off the court. So that kind of got in the way. But like you said, uh, the, the transfer portal is, is at an all-time high. And the reason is, because I, I've been through this as a coach, the reason is kids don't have the problem-solving chip that they need to get through adversity. A lot of them... Um, can't play through pain emotionally and mentally and they've never had had to fight right to, to get a position to, to play and compete and win so you know they transfer from aau team to aau team they transferred from high school to high school so they do the same thing in college and they really don't understand that look they're transferring because they want more touches they want more responsibility and they don't understand that these scouts just want to see guys these superstars uh at their role and um it's a hard lesson because they transfer and they still don't get the touches in the time that they right. want it's interesting we talked to craig escherich former coach at uh, georgetown and jay yep. billis was on the show and it's amazing how many people had those experiences that were negative and and most people i would imagine quit and uh, don't have the tools in their toolbox to be able to channel it properly. And so, you know, I applaud you for how you handled it. So you had good guidance growing up that obviously helped and, and you're doing that now. I, ha I have a client, he's got cut twice from his high school team. He gets okay. up at 5.30 every day. He practices six days a week. He's doing everything. I'm training him privately. He's doing all this stuff. And you know, those are the kids that you always talk about. You want to work with the ones that are passionate, you know, uh, keeping your eye on the prize, grinding and um, controlling what you can control. Talk a little bit about that, because I have a friend who's in a power five conference on the women's side. Yeah. Players frustrated one of the coaches because the coach doesn't know her right from her left. And so she <laughs> befriends yeah. the other assistant coach and says, you know, it's just ridiculous. I didn't come here for that. I'm, you know, I'm going to go to the WNBA. And, and she said, you know what? What? Uh, you're not controlling everything that you can. Get in the gym an hour before practice. Stay in the gym an hour after practice. And stop complaining. If you want to go to the head coach, you know, have a conversation with him. But other than that, um, stop complaining and, and go in there and do work. You know, talk a little bit about people that – make excuses versus ones that say, I got cut twice and I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in anything else except continuing to uh, believe in the process. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if players don't get what they want right away and they get cut and they have some adversity, that's, that's okay if you move on to something else, you know, because maybe that was your one shining moment and, 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 now you, you have to retire from basketball. I mean, I had that conversation with uh, five years in a row. I, I ran a post-grad school called Elevate in Delray Beach. And, man, I thought I was, as a businessman, Mike, I thought I was going to retire, man. I mean, I had the ability to travel, uh, do my Gannon Baker basketball business, and then I had a second business in my post-grad school that I was receiving about 40% of the revenue. And I had great coaches involved. We had a run, and I was like an AD or a GM, if you will, but also was a mentor to all the coaches and players there. We had 50 kids. Uh, first two years, 25, and third, fourth, fifth year, 50 kids. And so, you know, our, our third, fourth, and fifth teams, I had that conversation with guys. I said, look, you know, you didn't get a scholarship. You didn't even get a partial. Uh, we can get you a walk-on spot, but you guys are 18 years old. Maybe it's time to retire from basketball. And the ones that love the game, all right, the ones, there's my son. Daddy, someone's here. I know, buddy, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I, I know, tell him I went on a podcast, man. I'm sorry, Mike, my, my mom, no, buddy. Uh, my, 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 my wife, my it's wife had a emergency. Okay. 
tonight and um, she had to leave. So as I told you, man, my life is crazy. And she was supposed to be here with the kids. Hey, hey buddy, he, he's, um, he, he, tell him to come on in. I'm on a, I'm on a podcast. He knows that. Um, but you know, I, I, um, I told these kids, look, you know, you got to retire from basketball, man. This is it. There's not really anywhere else to go. And the ones that love the game came back at me. Well, no, nah, coach, I'm not accepting that. What do you mean? What can I do? And then so we talked about it. We, we, we set up a, a game plan, right, to help. So with that being said, you know, it, it comes down to how bad do you really want it. If you want something bad enough, you'll figure it out, right? You won't quit. So I, I just think that if kids have a true passion, then they won't give up too soon. Kids that really don't like the game, that really are just interested, not committed, they're more playful than passionate, you know, they're the ones that they give up too soon. They give up too easy. And so, you know, um, I, I, I love training kids that um, got cut three or four times. I mean, I mean the, the, kid, the kid now that I'm working <laughs> out has no offers. You know, he's got no offers. Uh, he was he was six, seven. Thank you, buddy. I, he's feeding me intel right there. So, um, the the kid that I'm training now um, was a sixth, seventh man on his high school team. So, I love it. It's a challenge for me because that's the care. Anytime that he's stale, anytime that he's inconsistent, anytime that he's negative, I, I just bring that up. I, I pour a little salt in his wound. Really, you're gonna act like you're gonna act like that. Right, you really, you really gonna act like like you're not grateful? Cause guess what? Nobody wants you, man. This is why nobody wants you. Like I go right at him. Yep. And and it wakes them up, and and it really uh, gets their attention. Now we're back on track. Powerful words from Gannon Baker joining us in the Sports Deli. Gannon has spoken in 47 countries, five continents. 48 states here in the United States. He's worked with NBA, WNBA, CBA, EuroLeague, collegiate, youth, high school, and middle school players. And he's here to share his thoughts with us in the Sports Deli about professional skills training and much, much more. Now back to the interview with Gannon Baker. Question for yes, you. Sir. You talked about you transferring, and I find it interesting. When you work with these young people, and they say, oh, I'm going to go to so-and-so, and they're, they're looking to – I could be a six-man or be a starter. Do you talk to them about the holistic environment of what they're going into, like the coaching staff and their history of getting people – you know, their players to graduate and the environment? Do you, do you have them look at that, or do you find that they're just focused on – obviously, you're a top-level coach in regards to getting these students and getting young people prepared, but do you try to get them to broaden and say if it's the right fit? that you know you know you may work into it maybe you go somewhere and you're the seventh or eighth guy but it's the right fit for where you've come from you know what your beliefs are and all that as opposed to going in and so that they may get a better situation from that standpoint yeah you know i don't with a lot of the players that i train they, they never very rarely do they bring me into the recruiting process and i'm glad because that's just more time i got to spend with my clients and players man I, mean, I got right. family, I got three yeah. kids. So I don't, I, don't, I don't really get involved very much. But occasionally they'll, they'll ask me, and, and I just tell them, look, you know, if, if you want quality answers, you got to ask quality questions. So absolutely do research on – the first thing you do is you find out how many players transfer from their program every single year. Right. And then you find you, you try now you can you can connect with them because of social media. So you you interview that if you're on if you're on a campus visit, spend time with uh, the players that you don't see. You know, what I mean, you might you might meet seven or eight players on the on the campus visit. Well, I want, I want to meet the other five. Right, coach, I want to meet the other five, interview them, talk to them, see what they believe in. Right. And so. Um, my, my point is, you know, like you need to ask the hard questions and search for the truth. And, and so that, that kind of helps you understand how, how caring the coach is. And then, you know, you got the weather, right? You got the, the, the access to the equipment in the gym. I mean, if you don't have a, a key to the gym, I'm not, you know, and you're a gym rat, then you're going to struggle. You know, and then, and then you, you, you know, a lot, a lot of kids don't really care about academics, quite frankly. I mean, 
it's a different world. It, obviously, college education is important. I have a master's, so I'm not, you know, uh, looking down upon academics, but you don't always have to go to college to get a, a, a great education in life. You don't always have to get a college degree to uh, be successful in life. So, um, but, you know, even though they don't ask those questions, I always talk about, look, man, what do you think you're going to do after basketball? Because, you know, you got 50, 60 years where you're going to have that vocation. And a lot of NBA players that I train, you know, 70% of them are broke within four to five years, have no idea of what they want to do in life. They have self-esteem issues uh, after they retire within four to five years. So it's like, you know, um, that is, is very important that the kids don't even think about because all they want to do is go ball. Right. And so, and so those are the, what you said is very important. You should have like a checklist and a spreadsheet of about 10 questions that you need to ask outside of playing time, style of play. You know, it, it's all the logistical, social, right, uh, environmental questions that you would, you would need to know because that is going to be your new home now for four to five years. Right. So very, very good point you make. Yeah. So uh, I forgot to tell you that uh, Tamir and Val Whiting say hello. Yeah. yeah. I was telling John about Val. She's coming out next Saturday. Man, oh, man. She is yeah. something. I love, I love uh, her. I just met her and I love her. <laughs> yeah, man. Give her a virtual hug for me, man. And, and Tamir. Yeah, I will. What, what, uh, tell Tamir, I still love his little toss back, man. He brought that down to elevate and we did some stuff with it. It's, it's a, I hope it, I hope he sells a lot of those. It, it's a good deal. Yeah. It's picking up. I just talked to him this morning. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your workouts. You know, uh, I, I, I've heard Gino a bunch of times talk about this Gino Ariema at you and the women's basketball coach there. Yep. And he said, I'm not adverse to skills trainers. I'm sure you've heard him too. Is, you know, yeah. you guys were, you guys were both on during the pandemic for the NABC. I heard you there and, and several other instances. And, you know, he talks about how obviously there's no replacement for competition, one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, you know, four-on-four, five-on-five. You got to have the foundation. But he wants the skills trainers to teach players how to win. So how do you, how do you methodically go about, does it change from person to person? How do you teach people how to win? Do you count down? Do you have them watch the fingers on your hands? You know, are you uh, having them multitask, which is some of the things that I try and do, body language? You know, what, what are you doing, uh, you know, from the ground up? You know, Mike, that's a great question. Uh, let me first say this. Uh, I, I think Gino is one of the all-time greatest coaches, bar none, on, on any level. Uh, Hall of Famer. Um, trained a lot of his players, met him, done some clinics at the same organization. Uh, he actually was gracious enough to give us an interview about just that. Um, and I would say this, if, if Gino and I were at dinner talking, you know, it's funny how experts in other fields can criticize, you know, non-experts in other fields. Like, love Gino, but I'm not really sure Gino could do what you and I do on a daily basis for two decades. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't really understand the day in the life of a skill coach. He's a team coach. He is a leader. He is a professional in the NCAA. He's a, a national champion. Uh, John Wooden, uh, you know, um, Phil Jackson couldn't do what you and I do. Hit outside workouts, work seven, eight hours a day. Do it in your 40s. Do it at a high level. All we do is train. All we do is try to, you know, help develop kids 8 to 48. Uh, try to bring in revenue. Run a business as that, you know. I mean, you know, and again, I'm, I'm out there uh, really being an activist for skilled trainers, trying to make the industry better because there are problems. You know, everybody was talking about how AAU was killing our game two, two decades ago. Well, guess what? skilled trainers most of us are killing this game because they do it the wrong way and they do it for the wrong reasons so let's get back to gino gino is absolutely right these kids can go through cones but they don't know how to play with bones you know what i mean and so <laughs> these kids can go one-on-none -on -one, but they have no idea how to play one-on-one -on -one. these kids get unbelievable reps 
but they don't know how to make reads. And so, you know, 100% he's right. When you get a kid, number one, you need to teach them how to work. Number two, you need to teach them how to learn. Number three, you need to teach them how to play with a teammate. And number four, you got to teach them how to compete. Um, number five, keep him safe. Keep him coming back again. So um, how do you do that? I mean, that's a loaded – I mean, it, you got a year? I mean, it, it, that's a topic <laughs> we can uh, – number one, it comes from you. You know, anything you want the kid to do, you have to model. So you have to be competitive. Like for me, first day, as we're warming up, hey, man, I bet you can't beat me one-on-one. I mean, I said that to Jared Bayless, right? Just to let him know, look, as a coach, my spirit, my foundation, I'm a hooper. The only reason, Mike, that I went into coaching is because I couldn't hoop anymore. Man, I'm a hooper. 13-year-old, I'll bust your tail right now. Let's go. I'm 48. I always keep my shoes in my, in my, in my uh, trunk of my car, man. Bring I still it. play guys one-on-one. <laughs> yeah, let's go, right? So as a coach – Again, it's not about me living my glory days, but it's the spirit of competition. So I might play him one-on-one. I might shoot, you know, left-handed, you know, shooting game, beat him, or he beats me. All right, let's, uh, let me play you right-handed. What? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to see if my right hand can beat you. And one of them's going to win. I've never lost to a guy, you know, left-hand or right-hand. I've always beat him with at least one hand. And so my point is, if you want a kid to compete and win, you model that. Uh, you add time and score to drills. You add data and, 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 and be organized enough to say, hey, last week you shot eight out of 10 on this Kobe drill. Today we got to go 10 out of 10. You try to bring in somebody a little older. You know, if I'm working with a girl, I'll bring in a, a boy or, you know, I, I guard her, you know, because anything we, we, we rep, then we do a read. If it's a wide pin, if it's a ball screen, if it's a closeout catch, if it's transition off the bounce if it's a finish off too I'm always giving them reads right and then uh if you can this is again this is where a lot of people criticize skilled trainers look man a lot of skill training is, is individual I mean what do you think the NBA the NBA skill coach does not teach the, the kid the guys how to win that comes from the head coach that comes from the team practice all right, but everybody wants to crap on the skill coach. Man, this kid doesn't know how to win. Wait, I'm, yeah, it's not my lane. But is it a problem? Sure. So let's find a solution. You bring in two or three other guys, and you do two on no, three on no. Then if you can, you know, you, you go three on three, four on four, whatever. But as a skill coach, look, you got to do two on no stuff, even if it's just you and him. It's driving kick. It's teaching, you know, getting passing reps as well as, right? Shooting reps. And again, once the kid learns, everything is competitive. Every, every, every time you keep score, you have to engage and, and be aware, get your antennas up as a coach. What's their body language like? What's their uh, reaction to losing? What's their reaction to failure? How do they respond with grit, right? To the next play. Grit is greatness resides in toughness. Jay Billis, right? What a great book. So, Again, man, it, it's it's it, it's easier said than done. Uh, of course, yeah, let's, skill trainers, you got to teach these kids how to win. Okay, well, all I do is work out one kid a day. I don't have – I mean, come on, man. You know, so – but I get it. I got solutions for it. No question. We're harping on that. Uh, the skill trainers that do a lot of eight-man, eight eight-woman workouts or more team workouts, that should be on your agenda. If it's not, you got to add that to your toolbox because uh, these college coaches are getting kids that are not – narcissistic getting kids that are non-relational they don't have reciprocity in relationships if you will and they certainly don't care who wins or loses it's all about how they play and that's a problem you're listening to an interview with gannon baker professional basketball skills trainer who has worked with numerous players from the nba wnba and from the intercollegiate ranks he offers scholarships and you can find out more about Gannon Baker at his website at GannonBakerBasketball.com. Now back to the interview with Gannon Baker. Coach, do you think we over-program these kids nowadays as opposed to when we were around going to play pickup? I mean, do you ever drop some of these kids into an area where they're not from and say, call me in an hour, I'll come pick you up and we'll see how you did and we can take it from there instead of it being, we're going to, I mean, literally nowadays the kids go, 
the parents have these kids programmed that there's no free time. There's no individuality of being able to think, am I going to go to, you know, am I going to go home with this friend? I mean, when I used to play soccer and basketball, our parents, I, I was a latchkey kid. And that's a term you don't even hear anymore. You know, whereas my mom was like, I mean, the famous story is my mom called me one day and she goes, what's that sound? And I was like, the butter was hard. So I was warming it with a hairdryer. That's all I knew, you know? So, I mean, she's like, well, that's not really, you know, this is before microwaves and all that. But my point to that is, you got to learn at some time. And if the later you wait to learn some of these skill sets, and I think it touches what you talked about, these kids transferring, it may be sometimes it is the program, like it was with you and Duquesne. And I mean, they haven't had, a, I don't think they've gone to NCAA tournament since Norm Nixon was there. But, um, but, but, uh, but my point to that is that if they, you know, maybe when they transfer, they're transferring, they're going back into the same situation they left because they haven't looked at themselves and said, okay, why am I transferring exactly? And the same thing was, I just think these kids are over-programmed and I see it on a higher ed side, an administrative side, you know, these kids, they, they, the parents have their, their young sons or daughters scripted and there's no freestyle. There's no, there's no um, you know, letting these kids find themselves. And how do you handle that? I'm sure you see it. Every day, every city, every, culture um that's why it's not a great program that's why these kids don't achieve their goals that's why this coach struggles the great ones morgan wooden john wooden john cheney right tom Izzo, cheryl reeves john staley the list goes on and on gino they don't treat their players like puppets they treat them as people you know they're not geppetto and so a lot of times i feel like i'm geppetto training a bunch of Pinocchios, man, because I got to pull their string, talk, touch, go this, do this. He just made a shot. Are you going to say something? Stop doing that. Like, they don't have the ability to think for themselves because you said it. They've been programmed with their parents. Cool. But then they go to their skill trainer or they go to their coach. And then a lot of them have many coaches, a skill coach, a rec league coach, an AAU coach, and a high school coach, whatever. And three out of five of them or three out of four of them don't let the players think. They always tell them, here's what to think. Here's what to think. They never say, all right, what do you think? Hey, y'all got 15 minutes. Shoot and drill. Go. Or they, they talk and they, they, they coach their drills by speaking paragraphs and trying to explain everything so it's perfect instead of coaching in poetry or bullet points. And the best thing you can do as a coach is give them three foundational points, whether it's a, a, a rep drill or a read drill, and then let them figure it out. And look, you can ask one question, and that's it. And let them figure it out. And then don't even let them ask questions. They start to talk like girls. Girls ask tons of questions. Love it. But at certain times, most of the time, ah, be quiet. You'll figure it out. Go. Because the way the game is now played on, on every level, you know, teams are switching on offense. Teams are multi-skilled on offense. Teams are pressuring on, on, on defense. So the game is fast. It's a pace and space game. And, you know, I spent a lot of time with uh, some um, assistants for the Spurs, uh, Chip England, Chad Forsay. And then, I, man, I got to spend five days with Manu Ginobili. Got to work out with them, got to eat with them, got to coach with them in China. It was unreal. Many things he said, but one of the things he said is that, man, Pop had this 1.9 rule. You got the ball, you had 1.9 seconds to figure it out. You always had to be on your, uh, you always had to have your antennas up with Pop because you could walk into practice and he might say, Manu, you got the first 30 minutes, let's go. And if you messed up, he would, he would grill you, he would run the team, you felt like you're in high school. But what he was doing was he was holding these guys accountable to saying, you know what, you're a professional. You got to figure it out. I'll give you the foundation, but you got to provide the nails. You got to provide the paint. You got to interior decorate the game because winning is ugly. Learning is ugly. Every day in sport is going to bring frustration and problems. Figure it out. And then, so it, the, a term now in the NBA is FIO, you know, FIO figure it out. And then, you know, coaches that have anger management problems, 
it's two F's. FFIO, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know what I mean? But, I mean, you guys don't need me. You, you guys are on top of it. You, you, you've nailed every problem with grassroots basketball. Soft, don't have grit, parents parachute them, a lot of Geppetto coaches. Well done. <laughs> and is it, and I'm in a, in a, real quick, in a position like yourself, where maybe someone's starting out and they have a client who's very wealthy and is willing to pay, is the coach sometime in a position like yours not willing to say what they need to in, because they fear they're going to lose the client? They're going to lose, you know, they're not willing to, oh, you know, yeah. the politics of that and telling the parents maybe something they, sh you know, that the, the young person may not be as into it as the parents think they are. But if you tell the parents that, you're going to lose the client. Yeah, well, so let, let's look at it like this. In, in any leadership position, when has – when has ever coaching out of fear, leading out of fear, making decisions out of fear ever worked out for you? Because if you continue to make decisions out of fear, you never have peace. You're gonna, your spirit's going to be unrest. Your bank account might be high, but I'm just telling you, you know, uh, and I've dealt with it in my life. I don't care how successful you are. If you aren't authentic and you don't stand and, and live in your core values and non-negotiables, you won't have peace. And when you don't have peace, that's when problems come. And, and again, it's, it's spiritual, man. You know, live the truth and, and the truth will set you free. So I, I've, done, I've given back money to parents and they were blown away. That actually increased my business because sure. they know, they know that, that, that you walk the walk, you talk the talk, you're authentic and you're genuine. There's no hidden agenda. There's no motive. Here's the motive. I'm a coach. I'm not your, your boy, I'm not your buddy, I'm not your brody, I'm your coach, I'm your mentor, I'm a surrogate brother, father, but I'm here to praise right, correct, wrong. I don't need you to love me, I don't need you to follow me, I don't need you to give me a bonus. You're paying me for my job, and I'm, I'm doing more than that. I'm teaching you how to win in life as well. And so if you don't address secrets and keep them inside, then you're going to be sick. You're only sick as your secrets, and the only real solution is to have confrontation that's positive, but you know, Hey, you don't pull any punches. Like you clear the air and, and you find out a lot about that kid, that family's kid. Uh, when, when, when they can take the punches, when they can accept coaching, because if you have the truth, what you're doing is the truth. You shouldn't fear anything. You shouldn't fear any question. The truth fears no question. I got that from Mark Twain okay. for any listeners out there that are thespians and English majors. <laughs> and I just, you know, that's, I mean, and, and to me, I don't know if I'm the goat. I don't know if I'm the best. I really don't care about that. I know I'm secure. Right. I know, I know I'm always going to find value in basketball. I know my business will always be legitimate because I have a, a, le a legitimate truthful product. And, and, and that's worked for me for, if it didn't work, I would tell you, I wouldn't right. be here, but for 20 years, over generations of time, when it comes down to it, people don't want to be played with. They just want to be told the truth. And then if there's a problem, they, they want you to give them a solution. And the solution is sometimes, you know what, they got to figure it out because I can't, I can't coach your mind. I can't get into your heart. I can create an environment to foster positives, but you you got you got to start making some decisions. I only have five timeouts in a game, man. It's the player's game, right? I can't call a timeout every time you go through your little deal. Get over your feelings. Get to the next play. Use the thirteen teammates you have as power. Use the fans here at home or away, but somewhere people are loving you. Focus on them. But dad, going it. Get out of that dungeon of despair, man. Man, you're firing me up already, guys. Let's go work out somebody that needs needs some, some love. Man. Life doesn't give you a TV timeout. You don't get timeouts at 16, 12, 8, and 4 in life. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Remember that movie? Remember that movie, Adam Sandler? Click, right? Remember he oh, click. He could just stop life and right, ponder right. a little bit and then redo it. And it, it, you know, what I mean, that's not life is about taking a punch, right? Like Rocky said, you know, it's about how hard you get hit and can you still keep moving forward, you know? Yeah. Mike Tyson's favorite quote, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the face. You get hit, man. So, you know, sometimes pain is part of the process. Sometimes pain can propel you to power. Sometimes trials 
right? It's part of your training, right? So I look at, I look at it like this. It's, it's a great book, Ron Carpenter Jr. Uh, wrote The Necessity of an Enemy. And he talked about any person that wants to have a victory or a chip or a ring or achieve a goal, you have to go through a battle. There's going to be a battle. So don't freak out or get disappointed or, or shy away from it. Hit it head on because it's what you have to do. It's inevitable for you to get the victory, right? If you want to be a superhero, guess what? Everybody has kryptonite, man. Everybody. Iron Man had his. Thor had his. If you saw the end game, right? Pizza, beer, self-esteem, cry. Everybody has kryptonite, man. And so that's, that's what keeps you going and keep, gets you out of bed to keep fighting and keep growing. A lot of ways. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Well, I mean, a lot of play, anybody out there would play one on one, two on one, Fur Avenue, Melbourne Beach. Always well, got my shoes ready, man. That's that's one of the last questions of the day, so you have to hold off on that question. You are listening to an interview with Gannon Baker, professional basketball skills trainer. Gannon trains players all over the world. He most recently started a business in China where he is there several months out of the year, and he continues to train players in the United States as well in the NBA, WNBA, and at the college level, as well as kids. Now back to the final comments from Gannon Baker in the Sports Deli. So, but a lot of what you're talking about is the coaches being in alignment with what you're telling the players to do, because if the coaches aren't supporting that philosophy, then it makes it tough because then the players are like, well, I'm trying to do this, but then the coach is favoring someone or playing someone else, or I'm you know, I'm emotionally handling myself and they're not and, and they're getting burned. So, you know, I talked to Irv Roland a little bit. He said hello also, by the way. And Big Irv, Big Irv yeah, he's, he's, he's great. I'm trying to get him on. And, and so um, what players, speaking about what John was talking about, you know, and a lot of people listening are probably, and you've always said this, that you don't care who you work with. You don't care if it's pros. It just so happened that you got lucky when you were younger and Nike brought you on and, just things just sort of happened. But um, who have you worked with that you really butted heads with? And they were close to saying, man, F this, uh, this Gannon guy, like whether it's on the women's side with uh, Skylar Diggins Smith or LeBron or, you know, uh, C3P or was anyone really like, man, this is some, and you were like, look, this is how I'm teaching you to do it. If you don't want to do it, bounce, but this is going to make you a better player. Yeah, that's a great question. And nobody wants to, air out laundry, but, but, you know, I try to do it in a positive way. Um, I remember working out LeBron uh, a few times, and he never wanted to do two-ball drills, so I had to deal with that. Um, to remind him about uh, the 2011 series where he was double-teamed and, and – No, nah, this this was before 2011, man. This was oh, early wow. This was, um, yeah. Um, Kobe Simmons, I, I argued with him a lot about body language and communication and presence as a pro. Uh, J.R. Smith, enough said there, you know, just pick an issue. Uh, but I, I actually went to John Lucas because I was working with John and I had J.R. Smith and Big Baby Davis, Stevie mm. Francis, Tracy McGrady. Wow. And uh, I mean, as you imagine social media back, if I had social oh, media back man. then, I'd be like, I'd be 8 million followers, man. It was just, right. anyway, man. My point is, uh, you know, their motor wasn't up. I had to deal with that. My, my answer at the time, 2006, was, Coach Luke, man, it ain't working, man. Can, can, you, can you give me some guys that want to go? And I, I said, like, look, you know, JR, I, I got you, man. You had a rough night. Just sit over there. I'm ready to work. You know, I, I don't care what you did last year. What are you doing right now? Right? What are you doing? Anyway, had to deal with that. Big Baby Davis, great. Great kid, but just, you know getting him to fall in love with the process, getting him to find a way to be uncomfortable and enjoy it and make the abnormal normal, so to speak. Um, just to name a few, man, Harrison Barnes didn't really enjoy the running, the runner and the hook, you know, his rookie year, Carolina, young kid, always played off too. Didn't, didn't understand why I need, he needed a runner, you know, things like that. Like people think, oh man, it, NBA, you know, shiny objects, workout NBA players. Well, that, they're great. It's no question. But, again, a lot of it's hard, man. It's hard. 
And so what happens is you get a, I'm an NBA trainer. I'm an NBA. Wait, guess what? You, you, there's only a few NBA trainers that really connect. Most of the NBA trainers, they're rebounders. They're, they're influencers. What do you think about this? Okay. They're not confronters. I, I know for a fact, two of my good friends, Phil Beckner, Phil Handy, they confront. They, they send the hard truth. And if you don't want to work, then you don't work. But this is the way we're going to do it. You know, they have that mom. A lot of NBA trainers don't have the security nor the uh, solutions to a rebuttal or the intel or, the, or their truth to come at an NBA and, and, uh, and connect. A lot of them are just, yeah, whatever you want to do, man. Sugarcoat it. Let's get some content. You build up my IG page. We're good. And that's just not me. That's just, I've never been like that. And, you know, to me, I just want a kid that's going to be passionate. I want a kid that's going to listen. And then I want a kid to be responsive and not a puppet. Maybe that kid can teach me. Right. I was going to say, you listen and so, to them. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll work out NBA players now, especially high-level guys, just so that maybe, maybe I can learn something from him. I'll probably learn more from him than, than you know, than I'm giving him. But, uh, I mean, then you got great stories, man. Maya Moore, Terry Rozier, Tyler, John Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Then you get kids that are hungry and humble. You know, Maya Moore, the GOAT. Coach, what am I doing wrong, man? What do you, what do you think? You know, Terry Rozier. Hey, Coach, man, how, how do I – what, what, what do you think about ice, man? Should I – like, Terry, man, you're All-American, man. You're about to go first. Man, you really – like, these guys are open and hungry, and they have that growth mindset. Even, even Ray Allen. We're working out. Gee, what do you think about this move? Oh, you're at, Ray Allen, you're asking me about my advice? And I say, Ray, why are you asking me? Because you're good, G. You're good at what you do, man. Oh, okay. So, look, they're aware. They acknowledge. They transfer the greatness to you, the, the respect. It's reciprocity in relationships. Whatever I give somebody, a true champion is going to give that same back to me. You know, all right? Real recognizes real. Um, iron sharpens iron. And the immature ones, you know right away. The selfish ones, the ones that don't thank you, the ones that don't acknowledge, the ones that don't listen, the ones that don't respond to truth. So after all this time, uh, where, where do you feel you need to grow the most? Where, where are your shortcomings? Um, that's a great question. You know, as far as a businessman or a coach? I mean, you're a holistic, you know, coach and on and off the court is important to you so do you not have enough downtime for yourself uh are you not paying attention to something specific because the game has evolved and you feel like that part of the game is passing you by and you haven't been given that enough attention you know wh where, where do you feel like you need to to evolve uh well from a business standpoint i gotta get much better but from a coach i gotta have more um tools in my toolbox to help kids that struggle with uh, negativity and self-sabotaging because I, that's just totally opposite of me. And then the second thing is kids that are lazy and soft because that, it's like oil and water with me. I, I just do not, um, hate's a strong word, but I just do not uh, understand why a kid is, is negative. Why a kid, I mean, I understand it, but I, I just can't relate to it. So it's constantly finding strategies and solutions to get them to be aware of their behavior and then things that modifies that behavior and gets them to change. Because I can, I can help a kid shot. If he doesn't follow through, I can hold it, right? If a kid doesn't get low, I can push him. If a kid doesn't understand reads, I can manipulate a drill, watch film, but it, it's heart issues. As a coach, you know, I need to find ways to um, get into a player's heart a little bit better when it comes to laziness and self-sabotaging uh, behavior. Coach, what's one takeaway that you're going to get from, you know, the COVID, like you talked about, you, I'm like you, I used to travel all the time. I haven't been on a plane in seven months for the first time in probably 20 years, that time frame. What's one takeaway that when we go back to normal, whatever that looks like, that you'll keep doing, that you learn from the experience now, um, that you'll continue, continue to do, that you may not have done prior to? Um, you know, that's a great question. I, I was pretty organized before, but the one thing that I'm going to um, 
continue to do is um, really be strategic about organizing my schedule so that I can take my kids to school and I can play with them uh, at their t-ball game, basketball, soccer at night. Like, I guess balance work and family because COVID has, has really set me into a routine that uh, is balanced, is, is what it should be. Uh, the reason I didn't accept uh, NCAA jobs uh, currently and then and, and NBA jobs is because I have a balance with what I'm doing. And now, now that I'm off the road, I even have more of a balance. And so from a business perspective, man, it'd be great if we can keep this train running, get people to come see me, do virtual, get revenue in without leaving my home. And we've been doing it since June. You know, April, March we struggled, April we struggled, May. But we're rolling, and I love it. So I think I you're on this one. Yeah, I think you're on something. Yeah. Pew Foundation found for people who do nine to five yeah. jobs in the office, 78% yeah. of the people say they're planning to ask their boss to go to work three days a week and two days from home when the world goes back. And, yeah, and if you're know, and people that. that are in demand are going to be able to get away with it, not get away with it, be able to do it. I mean, yeah, I think I people are going to try to dictate and try to take control of their, you know, them do what they need to do, you know, for themselves from yeah. that standpoint. And then realize sometimes that you were doing things you didn't need to do. Exactly. So, you know, in one, one sentence, I would say be more efficient with my time. There you go. When it, when it comes to my life, my business, and my family. Because I, I'm really in a, in a, you know, ironically, ironically, uh, I'm really in a good place right now. Uh, my wife and I are closer. You know, I get to witness her day to day. And before it was like, you know, travel for 30 days, come back for 40. Just when I'm settling in, bam, I'm off again. So it was more like a vacation. There was highs and joys, but you don't really build that deep relationship with your kids. I got three of them. And, um, and my two dogs, man, they're like, <laughs> humping, humping my leg and, and just <laughs> licking my face more and you know i mean they're like they're joyful now so i got two chihuahuas so anyway i apologize for some of the um That's okay. interruptions oh, tonight um okay. but uh i've really enjoyed this conversation i actually could stay on another 40 minutes i just have to go i got a zoom okay. call with minnesota team okay uh, minnesota coaching uh association uh at eight but uh I'll come on again if you have me. This this has been a lot of fun, man. I've been like ghosting Mike on LinkedIn, and <laughs> he's, been, he's been trying to get me, man. He's been sending his videos, and I'm like, man, this this cat is getting after it. And so, um, I, you know, I apologize, but I, I would love to do it again if we can work out a date. Sure uh, thing. If you want me, if not, absolutely. This has been great. Cool. Yeah. Oh this, yeah. This really, awesome. Yeah. Uh, this really uh, is is good for my soul, man. So. Okay, just it. one question before you go. Okay. I mean, forget about the fact that you know what I do. If you were playing two-on-two two back when you were a junior in high school, Grand Hill and you, and you got the first pick, you take John or me? Uh, man, I take you, man. I mean, you looked apart better. Let's go. You That's just looked apart. No, you just yeah. want a guy. You just want some guy who's going to pass it to you. I'd be still doing all the shooting. That's what you'd get upset. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i appreciate everything i love Thanks, what Thanks, i've learned a lot from you and keep doing what you're doing much love and respect and mask up yeah i will man i don't know what you learned from me you guys you guys got it going on man you got a great pulse on, on the game and life so keep it up thank appreciate you it. all keep right GB. all the best to you and stay safe and healthy with the family hey you too man if y'all need something let me know thanks we'll for do, having we'll me do. it was, right, a, it was an honor thank, thank you time. appreciate it Bye -bye. Good stuff, Mike. Good stuff. Yeah, he's fun. We want to thank Gannon Baker for joining us again today. It was a lot of fun. And if you want to reach him again, you can contact him by emailing him at Gannon at GannonBakerBasketball.com. You can find him on his website at GannonBakerBasketball.com and on Twitter at GannonBaker and on Instagram at Gannon underscore Baker underscore. 
He's got so many videos. You can go to Championship Productions through the National Association of Basketball Coaches and purchase some of his videos. And he's got so many videos on Instagram and LinkedIn, and you can learn so much from him. And it was just great to have him in the Sports Deli today. If you want to send us a message, feel free to do so at thesportsdeli at gmail.com, thesportsdeli at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Mike Hootner and on Twitter at Michael Hootner. For John, I'm Hootie Hoot. Thanks again for joining us in the Sports Deli. Until next time, peace out. Don't forget to vote. Vote.org. Vote.org.